Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Rigger <laughs> Podcast Network. Brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know what's not smart? Trading Kyrie Irving for a bunch of 11th men in the 8th pick in June's draft. That's not smart. You know what is smart? Hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. It even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more to apply. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event to the NHL, baseball, the NBA Finals, possibly in Boston, whatever. Use promo code BS. It's super easy. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We launched our new music podcast yesterday. It's called On Shuffle. It is hosted by Micah Peters. They talk about a whole bunch of things. They argue about stuff. The Korean Iverson, Donnie Kwok, came on yesterday to argue with Micah Peters about some rapper that I always... Is he even a rapper? What's that guy? Malone? Post Malone? Post Malone. He's got an interesting story, that one. There's already a backlash to Post Malone, and he hasn't even blown up yet. Uh, Lindsay Zolads also wrote about him today. The mailman, Post Malone. Uh but yeah, they argued about him. Korean Iverson was all fired up about it. Um, check that out. On Shuffle, subscribe now. And also, uh, we should mention the Ringer NBA show. We did a live Ringer lottery show last night uh, before, during, after the lottery. And then we cut some snippets from that. We put that on the Ringer NBA podcast, which has been uh, blown up thanks to the efforts of John Gonzalez, Chris Vernon, and Kevin O'Connor. Jonathan Sharks, a whole bunch of people. Uh, it's been blowing up. People like the Ringer NBA show. So anyway, uh, if you wanted to hear that thing or some more stuff we have coming, including tonight's group chat after Rockets Warriors, um, check that out as well. And don't forget to check out theringer.com where we have a whole bunch of stories. I'm going to the site right now. I'll tell you what's on there. Okay, so we have Justin Barrier and LeBron James. Four Lessons from the NBA Lottery. Big feature about Annika Sorenstam. Uh, the New Girl, which is gone. I mean, yeah. John Gonzalez and the Sixers Celtics. All that stuff. Uh, fantastic. Check out TheRinger.com. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to my dad. We're going to talk to Shea Serrano. Uh, who else? I, I don't even know. We'll see. First, Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, Celtics up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to talk to my dad about that in a little bit because he was there. I just wanted to mention, try, trying to figure out how crazy this is that this is happening because I'm, I'm positive that no team has made the finals without their two best players or two of their best three. I don't think it's fair to call. It's almost a meaning to Al Horford now to say that he's not one of the three best players in this team and – the relative equal to um, Hayward and probably 90 to 95, maybe even 100% of Kyrie. I thought he was the MVP this year of the Celtics, um, even before Kyrie got hurt. I thought it was at least a debate, and I just thought Horford was more irreplaceable for what he did. 
And then on top of it, I really wanted to vote for him for all NBA third team and came very, very close. And I don't even remember if I ended up voting for him or not, but I waffled back and forth. And if I didn't vote for him, the reason was I was afraid of being called a homer on the internet by basketball Twitter and all the mean people out there. You know who you are. You, there's some mean people out there. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't want to people like, Al Horford, 13 points, eight rebounds. How is he on here? But you know, if the Celtics, they ended up with a two seed, they got 61 games total out of their, out of their two best scorers basically. And Horford was the glue to the team. Now people, I think are fully appreciating what he does in the playoffs and how unique it was. It's funny. Like, I, and I mentioned this before, we, we have these all NBA teams for the regular season and the MVP ballot and the rookie of the year and all these different things. And then the playoffs come around and really the only thing we have to determine in the moment and then for people looking back 35, 40 years from now, what happened in the, in the play, in that particular playoffs, we really just have the finals MVP and the results of the games. And in college they have, you know, the all tournament team and things like that. I think if you're doing an all tournament team for this NBA playoffs so far, obviously you'd have LeBron James in there. I think you would have James Harden. I think you would have Kevin Durant and Al Horford, I think are the four no brainer people that would be in there. And then we could argue about who the fifth person should be. Um, I'll even go a step further. I think if you're giving out an MVP for the playoffs, I think I also think it's Al Horford because of all the things he does and all the mismatches he creates game to game. And you look at the Milwaukee series, he was the guy Milwaukee could never really figure out. He was a guy who could post up when they needed him. He was a guy who could shoot threes, run the fast break. He hustles back on defense. He beats guys down the floor. He's doing all that stuff. Then it gets to the Philly series and Embiid, who is the most unstoppable low post center we have right now, Horford was able to hold him off and actually, you know, really kind of give it to him on the other end and was a difference maker and made the biggest shot of the series. And then we go to the third round and he's somebody that can guard all these different types. Even in the last series, he's guarding Ben Simmons. He's guarded all types of players this whole playoffs. And I think, you know, what's cool for somebody like me and, and other Celtics fans, and even going back to the Hawks days, people who watched him day in, day out, um, who kind of knew how special he was day to day, week to week, and also what a great teammate he is. And just, he's a guy that I always talk about the table test with NBA players about, um, you know, what do you bring to the table? What do you take off? And you take somebody like Westbrook, who he brings 90% of this great stuff. And the 10% he takes off is so noticeable and so glaring that we kind of focus on that 10%, maybe a little too much sometimes. And Horford is one of those things. He just brings stuff to the table. And it's just like, oh, here's some forks. Here's some knives. Here's a, here's a bread plate. Here's a butter plate. Hey, I brought some bread for you guys. And he's just bringing stuff and doesn't really take a lot off and he's not somebody that anybody would say is one of the top 10 guys in the league. But it's funny because Draymond Green, who basically is the Al Horford of the Western Conference and his stats are better in some in some respects, he's probably a slightly better defender, um, definitely more competitive, definitely more of a personality, not as good of a three-point shooter, um, better passer. I would say relatively same in the athleticism department. Um, 
But Draymond Green, I think, gets the respect. And I think people are always like, oh yeah, he's definitely one of the best 15 guys in the league. Draymond Green's great. He's been done a lot in a lot of big games. And Al Horford, because the Cavs have kicked his ass in some playoffs. It's not exciting to talk about Al Horford. I think he has kind of slipped through the cracks. In the playoffs this year, he's at 17 a game, 8.4 rebounds, 3.6 assists. He's shooting 36% from three, shooting 58% uh, in eight, on field goals, and then 80% from the free throw line. He is, uh, his PR is 22.7, which as we know, PR is a little overrated, but um, it's still a good indicator. His usage rate is 19.4%. So he's he's not even involved in 20% of the possessions. Uh, but you're going down the line, he's just solid. And it's actually something that he's been, if you go back to his Hawks days, right? So on the Hawks, they made, they made, they won a couple rounds a couple times. And, you know, he was always in like the 15 and nine, 16 and eight kind of range. So that it isn't much different than what he's doing. It just seems to stand out more. And I think, um, I think you can make a real case. He's been the playoff MVP. If it's not LeBron, I'd have a hard time giving LeBron the playoff MVP. If they lost in round three, I think I, I never liked the losing guy as the MVP argument. Um, but anyway, it's he's one of the four, wherever you want to stand on it. Um, but anyway, I was thinking about the most shocking teams that have made the NBA finals. And I went back to the ABA NBA merger in 76. Cause once you get before that, the basketball gets a little weird, but the 76 Suns, who played the Celtics in the finals and had the famous triple overtime game that I went to. And I fell asleep during actually, I told this story in my book, but the game started at nine o'clock Boston crowd, super drunk. Uh, game goes, it's about 11 o'clock. We're in the fourth quarter. And I was not even six years old yet. I think I, no, I was six years old. It was six and a half. And, um, that was it. I was just, I had never stayed up that late before and, um, ended up going to sleep and everybody in my section liked me because I was this little kid who dressed like the Celtics. I used to go on the court before the games. This was in the seventies. They just let people wander onto the court. I used to wander onto the court and stand under the basket and I would rebound for the players. I swear to God, I'm not even kidding. I would go right under the basket and I would pray for an air ball because if somebody hit an air ball or if two balls hit together, the ball would bounce me, I would throw it back. And I was just that kid. Everybody kind of in our section and around the baseline knew who they were. That I used to wander over to the Celtic bench. There's this picture of me in the Boston Herald once of me next to Tom Heinsohn and John Killalay, who was the assistant way back when, just me standing next to them. Um, that's just what that era was like. Tickets were $3 and... It was all blue collar people and people smoked at halftime and it was a different sport. So I went to that triple OT game. I fell asleep, stretched over three people, my dad, my dad, and then my legs were on somebody. And I think my head was on some lady. So, no, so nobody could get up. And in the second overtime, if you remember, the Celtics had the ball down one with like seven seconds left and they were inbounding the ball right near us because we sat behind the Phoenix bench at that point and everybody stood up. So I actually had to wake up because everybody could stand, nobody could see. And so I wake up and I'm out of it and now it's like midnight and 
they inbound the ball to Havacek, who's playing on one leg, because he he was like the first person on plantar fasciitis. I think he was the first person ever diagnosed with it. He wasn't even supposed to get the ball. He gets it, goes down the left side, right in front of us. And I can and I actually remember this. You know how you can kind of I remember remembering something, but you don't actually remember. I can actually like literally remember this. Him going down in front of us on one leg and he banks a shot in. And it seemed like the Celtics won. It seemed like the buzzer sounded and they won. So everyone charges the court. And now it's like I've gone from I was asleep to now I'm awake to this guy hits the shot and it seems like we win. And now every this was in the era when people jumped on the court, plus everybody's drunk and it's midnight. Now people are vaulting over us to get to the court because we're in like the fourth row. And so now I'm terrified. I'm like, we're all going to die. Like everybody's charged to the court. What's happening? And this huge chaos on the court, everybody's celebrating. And, uh, and they, the referee gets punched, Richie Powers. And then it turns out the Suns have one second left on the clock to work with. They cut, they call a timeout so they can advance the ball mid court, which is really smart. They get a technical Jojo white hits the technical. And then they inbound the ball to Garherd and it becomes one of the most famous shots in, in history. He makes like this 15 footer, but in the garden when I was six, it seemed like it was about 45 feet. Goes in, triple overtime, Celtics finally win. And um, and then held off the Suns in six. I don't know if I needed to tell that story, but I really enjoyed it anyway. Uh, but anyway, the Suns had no business making the finals that year. They beat the Warriors in seven. And that was kind of the most shocking team that had ever made the finals to that point. But then if you go through after that, um, the 78 Sonics, I think they won 44 games uh, or 46 or something, but they started out five and 17. They fired their coach. It was a young team, a lot like the Celtics. They didn't have any all NBA players. But they did have guys who became great guys. Dennis Johnson, Gus Williams, Jack Sigma, and they ended up making the finals and they lost to the Bullets and then they ended up beating the Bullets next year. That team was shocking. The 95 Rockets, the year after Hakeem Olajuwon won, um, they were just counted out. They were didn't have home court in any series. Nobody, They didn't have a great regular season. And they shocked people. Nine years before that, the 86 Rockets... I think we're another shocker. Um, but they had two two number one picks in the draft that decade and they were fearsome to play against. And it wasn't like that shocking that they made the finals. It was shocking that they beat the Lakers in five, but it wasn't shocking that they beat the Lakers. Like it was definitely, they were on the radar at that point. Uh, the 99 Knicks, the year Patrick Ewing got hurt. And um, the year I had written about the Ewing theory on my website. Uh, my old website, bostonsportsguy.com, had written about the Ewing theory. And then Patrick Ewing got hurt. Everyone wrote off the Knicks and they made the finals and everyone thought I was a witch doctor. The 07 Cavs, that was LeBron had been in the league at that point. It was his fourth year. He didn't really have anybody good on his team other than LeBron James. And the Pistons were on this run where they they made the finals in 04 or they won it. They made it in 05, almost won it. 06, Shaq and Wade hit a, hit them with a haymaker. And then 07, people thought they were going to make it again. Cavs shocked them in game five. LeBron puts up 48 in Detroit. They win in game six. Booby Gibson, who's now on the uh, the challenge champs versus pros. So uh, I don't know whether this is a sad fall or a great thing for Bo- Bo- Booby Gibson. We'll, we'll never know. But um, 
07 Cavs, shocking, they made the finals. They got destroyed by the Spurs. And then the other one was the 09 Magic, which um, beat the Celtics. They beat somebody else that was really good, who I'm blanking on. Um, and it just was like surprising. Oh, the Cavs. The Cavs, that was the year the Cavs were supposed to make the finals and uh and LeBron was awesome in that series and the Magic just made a lot of threes and Dwight Howard was great and uh and they snuck in there. Um that's really it for the last 40 years. I mean, you could you could say the 2011 Mavericks were kind of surprising. Like you could, you could go through certain teams, but the 2012 Celtics probably made it cuz Derrick Rose got hurt. You could go through and you could but every team kind of made sense. This 2018 Celtics potentially making the finals makes no sense whatsoever. It's inconceivable. Um, but then I went through the finals teams that had no first team All NBA or second team All NBA guys. Um, going back, the last team was the 05 Pistons. And that year, Ben Wallace was third team All NBA. So he was still a top 15 guy. The 2000 Pacers, um, they didn't have any all NBA guys. That was also a really good team. They had, you know, they had Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, the Davis brothers, Rick Smiths. It was one of those teams that didn't have a top 15 guy, but was the deepest kind of best bet to make the finals that year, I would say. I think they won 60 games. The uh, 99 Knicks, who we mentioned, that was a fluke year. That was the lockout year, 50 game season. Um, all, nothing made sense that year. The Knicks were an eight seed and made the finals. They never should have been an eight seed. Uh, that was the year the Pacers probably should have made it and blew it. The 95 Rockets, Hakeem was third team All-NBA that year. 94 Knicks, no All-NBA guys that year. But to be fair, it was a crazy year for centers because you had Hakeem Robinson and Shaq. So Ewing was the fourth best center that year, but it, almost any other year makes it. The 1990 Trailblazers, Drexler was third team. The 1990 Pistons, Dumars was third team. The 89 and 88 Pistons did not have an all-NBA guy. And in 88, they only had two teams anyway. But uh, but that's how deep and great that team was. And by the way, Isaiah was one of the best eight or nine guys in the league. He just was giving up stats to win at that point. Um, 79 Sonics, we mentioned. 78 Sonics and the 78 Bullets had no first or second team. All NBA guys. And the reason I mentioned this, even if you go through all those teams that didn't have them or Ben Wallace was second team or whatever, um, you could at least look back and go, oh, that made sense. You know, like Hakeem Olajuwon is one of the 12 best players ever. Ewing's one of the best 40 players ever. Clyde Drexler's probably the sixth or seventh best two guard ever. And that team was really good. Uh, those Pistons teams were loaded. Dumars is a Hall of Famer. Isaiah Thomas is one of the best 25 players. Dennis Rodman was on that team. Like those teams were good. The 79 and 78 Sonics had DJ and Gus, who in retrospect were an incredible backcourt. And DJ's in the Hall of Fame. Gus is not in the Hall of Fame, but should be, especially with some of the guys that have gotten in. That 78 Bullets team had Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld and Bobby Dandridge, who made second team all NBA the year after. Um, and the OO Pacers had Reggie Miller, who is one of the great clutch guys we've had in the last 25 years, plus a bunch of other good guys and Jalen in his prime. Jalen was really good. Jalen was arguably, you know, could have made third team All-NBA at some point in his career. I don't know if he ever did. 99 Knicks had uh, 
Canby and Sprewell and Allen Houston. That, that those teams are good. What we're seeing with the Celtics team to not have Kyrie and to not have Hayward, but then to have this mismatch of Horford is probably close to being an all NBA guy and might even make it this year, but not totally. Tatum will make it at some point in his life. Jalen Brown might too. But um, but there's just no track record of this happening. Even the 76 Suns who came out of nowhere, Alvin Adams was rookie of the year. Paul Westfall was embarking on this awesome half decade run where I think he made three first team All-NBAs and a second team All-NBA and was just the best two guard in the league for five years. Um, this team, it's either guys who we never really appreciated or guys who are a few years away from being the guy. And uh, it's unprecedented. It's it's crazy that LeBron yesterday basically did the same thing he did in 2012 in game six, where he comes out and makes every shot and tries to kill the crowd. And this team wouldn't go away and they're down five at the half. And I was like, but they just took LeBron's best shot. They're going to win. And uh, and that's where we are right now. So, and one last thing on this NBA thing, usually it takes two guys to make the finals. And if you go through history, everybody had two. Pretty much, I would say eighty percent of the finals teams, especially in the last twenty five, twenty eight, thirty years or so, had two awesome guys in their team. Two guys that were considered either you had a top ten guy in the league. And then you also had the additional guy who was probably a top 15 guy. So like the Celtics in 2008, Garnett and Pierce, the Miami teams, uh, LeBron and Wade, and then even Bosch. Um, the Warriors, you had Curry and Green and Clay, you had Curry and Durant. You went through. The Cavs had LeBron and Kyrie. Um, Miami, the Miami team in 06, Wade and, Dirt, uh, Wade and uh, Shaq. You went down the line like, it's almost an anomaly just to have one guy. Like the uh, the 2011 Mavs basically had Dirk and then a bunch of role guys. And that was kind of surprising. The Lakers had Kobe and Pau Gasol, who was one of the best 12 to 15 guys in the league for a few years there. Um, the 07 team with the Cavs was basically LeBron and nobody. But uh, even like you look at 2013 and 14 with the Spurs, Parker was second team one year and third team another year on NBA. Duncan in 2013, I think he was first team all NBA. Pretty sure he was first team. Second year he wasn't, but you know, they had their two guys. See, every every team has had these two guys that you could be like, oh, those were their two guys. And I think for the Celtics team, I guess basically one of those guys has to be Brad Stevens. It's it's like I've never seen a situation where the coach is one of the two guys, but I think we're there. I, it seems like he's having that much of an impact game to game, week to week. So maybe the two guys for the Celtics are Stevens and Horford and then the combo of Tatum and Brown, who one of whom every game seems to be an elite guy, but it's you never know which one it's going to be. Um, I, I've just never seen anything like this. And I, I don't know whether, I don't know what we're watching. But we're gonna we're gonna call my dad and we're gonna and we're gonna uh, get his take on the whole thing because he was there yesterday. We're gonna call my dad in one second. First, though, quip: most of us are brushing our teeth wrong, not for long enough, and forget to change our brush on time. And it's just we're a mess when we brush our teeth. Most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing, but not quip. 
Quip is an electric toothbrush that costs a fraction of bulkier brushes and packs. The right amount of vibrations to clean your teeth. Quip subscription is built for your health. Delivering new brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Everyone loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions. The first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers. Quip starts at just $25. And if you get to getquip.com slash BS right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash BS. All right, we're going to call my dad. All right, my dad's on the line. Dad, you missed it. I just audibled into this whole story about the triple overtime game in 1976 before I even uh, I was talking about the NBA teams and how I slept across you and two other people for most of the second half and the first overtime. Do you want to verify that story? I, do, I will verify that because the game got over about after one in the morning. Right. It was it was back in the day when they started the those games at like nine ten nine twelve. Yeah. And uh, you can imagine on the East Coast what time it would have been if if there were three overtimes as there were. And, yeah. Uh, and I do you remember were, uh, I, you were six years old. Oh uh, yeah. But I remember waking up for the Havlicek shot that we thought won the game, and then everybody jumped over us, and I thought we were going to die. True. I think you also woke up when uh, Garfield Heard made that yeah. uh, ridiculous. Uh, sh- it wasn't a three. They were no right. There were no threes back then. No, it was, it was f- a two. It was a two to tie. Yeah. Um, I, you know, looking back, I I do think there's a case to be made with child services for you bringing me to that game. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you might have missed school the next day. <laughs> we got. <laughs> I remember I wrote about this in my basketball book. We got home at like one thirty. No, and, we got home a little later than that. And maybe actually, even later. But... And for whatever reason, like we were both wired from the game and we put TV on and Charlie's Angels was on. It was like they were rerunning some episode of Charlie's Angels from. Yeah, uh, I have to admit, I don't remember that or, part. I just, or I just it remember. was like a show like that. And I was like, wow, yeah. TV's still on at this hour. I was like so blown away by that. Because we were living in Brookline, which yeah. meant that. It wasn't like we could walk home. We had no. to uh, take the train. We had a car at a parking lot somewhere and had to drive in heavy traffic at one thirty in the morning. But uh, one of the, one of the half dozen most memorable games ever. And uh, for you, I, I vividly remember you sleeping. Your head was on my lap, and your body and legs were in two strangers, strangers <laughs> in our row, right. and they never said a thing. <laughs> well, then, but then they had to stand up for the Havlicek shot. So yesterday, uh, yeah. So you kept getting wa- awakened because people would stand up when crazy things happen. That's right. Uh, my friend Sully said that the crowd last night, he said, was the loudest since the 2010 finals. Do you? Would you deny or confirm? I think he's probably accurate. Uh, I thought the crowd Sunday was really, really loud too, in spurts because, you know, we took a big lead. Um, it got really loud when at the end of the third quarter on Sunday when they got got it down to fourteen. But last night was a totally different kind of game. Uh, I mean, you had LeBron coming out and scoring twenty-one points in the first quarter, and we should have been down by fifteen points, and we're down by four. Yeah, and uh, I mean we played great team basketball. It's like every quarter somebody took over. Jalen Brown, I think he had 14 points in the first quarter, and then 
you know, different guys took over. Uh, Rozier had a good quarter. Obviously, Al Horford had a terrific fourth quarter. Um, Smart was outstanding. But when we're down by 11, I think we're down by 11 in the third period, third quarter, and the crowd was a little bit, I wouldn't say afraid, but certainly terrified that LeBron was going to go on a final run and uh, equal his 25 first half points. And then we had a couple of things happen. I mean, the, the, uh, the I don't know when it happened when uh, J.R. Smith pushed Horford into the Yeah, crowd, yeah, yeah. That really woke up the crowd. Uh, there were a couple of other great moments that woke up the crowd. And Grozier's dunk, uh, I mean, I'm remembering specific plays, but we played great teams. Well, there's a couple, yeah, there was a couple, there was one sequence where Marcus Smart got two offensive rebounds on the same play. And the second one was like this death defying jump back in the putback. And he's. That was probably the biggest motivating uh, play for the crowd. Yeah. Uh, I happened to be coming out of the bathroom at that time, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I could hear, it's like the roof almost came off at yeah. that moment. And of course, I came down to my seat. I was with my brother, Don, your uncle, Don. And Don said, you just missed the biggest play of the game. Yeah. I, I heard it, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I'm sure it was a great pee, though. Um, yeah, it was, it was necessary. <laughs> I think this the Celtics fans, for the past... Uh, few years have been in that Marcus corner, which is a corner you, where you just kind of have to watch him day in, day out to understand what he means, especially in these home games and how unafraid he is. And he's certainly somebody you never want him to shoot from three, but that's just part of the package. He's going to do it. And right. he's going to make that one crazy pass in traffic. That's a bad idea. And he's going to take the one charge where he gets called for a foul that he shouldn't do. And you, you just kind of accept it. And now it's like he's put it together, whatever this weird mismatch of skills he has. And he's kind of unlike any, not only is he unlike any player I've ever watched, it might be in any sport. I've never really watched anybody like this before. The stats don't even come close to describing what he is and what he means and how he connects with the crowd and how tough he is. And like when JR did that, did that uh, cheap shot on Horford, which was really a dangerous play you know, smart was going to be the first guy over there getting in his face. That's just who he right. is. And he's just this tough guy that him and, and uh, your, your nemesis, Marcus Morris and um, Aaron Baines, like this team's really tough and they don't take shit and they're just in your face, you know, but smart you've come around on, right? I have come around on my, you know, you and I used to think he was a, a version of kind of like Tony Allen, that, that yeah. defensive, forward, but I've changed my opinion on him. He's a much, much better player than Tony Allen. Yeah, you know, he had nine. He had nine assists last night. Um, when he was, I think his plus minus, his plus was over twenty. Yeah. Even LeBron in the, in the post game, uh, when he gave his interview, he referenced Marcus Smart and the impact he had on the game. Um, and sh sure enough, he, who was the guy who immediately came to uh, Horford's? Defense, uh, Mark Smart. Although Rozier was was there too. I mean, yeah. our, our guards were terrific last night compared to Cleveland. I think Cleveland's starting guards had three points. And, and after uh, J.R. Smith did that cheap shot push, which 
was, as you said, was very dangerous. Horford certainly could have hurt himself. The crowd started chanting. Uh, Fuck JR, uh, right? F-U-0, F-U-0. And the zero meaning up on the scoreboard, he had zero points and zero assists, I think, for the game. Yeah. Uh, well, I think is it, 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 it's jerseys. It's an intelligent crowd. I mean, they pick yeah. out interesting fact uh, factors in terms of their chance. Loud, loud crowd, great crowd. Well, Smart had, this is, and this is like, we don't really have a stat for this, but I guess we have the stats, but just the combined impact of it. He had four offensive rebounds, or three offensive rebounds and four steals. And he's a guard. Yeah. So there's seven, well, those are seven different plays that he swung, but then the impact of those, like that second offensive rebound put back, yeah, as as you said, it was the, the key crowd moment of the game. But then, he had that steal right before the first half and then they got the cheap bucket and all of a sudden it was a little more manageable than the score was than it was, but he, he manages to do those things. I don't know how he's not on the team next year and, and I don't know what the right price for him is. Right. I also think if I was, you know, fortunately this is a summer where not a lot of people have cap space, but um, if I was another team, like you get that guy on your team and the culture that he brings and the ferocity and the intensity. I, if you're a shitty team, I don't know how you put a price on that. So I'm hoping nobody realizes that. And we, we get him for like 10, 11, 12 million a year or something. But, um, you know, he is well, a guy, he, he is a guy that would know, be they, a good guy to sign. There was a guy, uh, sitting next to Don who, uh, I, I assumed had scalped the tickets. I'm sure that had a high price, but every time, Smart had the ball. He was screaming out, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, right? And then when he made the shot, of course, he's standing up cheering. And I'm probably in the same ballpark. Yeah, no, Although no, I don't, yes. I don't, I don't yell, don't shoot anymore. I just kind of cringe when he shoots. I, I, my, I've, I've now changed my don't shoot to Marcus Morris when he has the ball. Don't shoot, don't shoot. Well, you, but, you're, you're probably right on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this about Morris. I don't know if we've ever had a, other than Pierce in the uh, end of last decade, and it was before LeBron was LeBron, but Pierce used to defend him pretty well in the 08 range. And right. Posey was okay against him too. But I don't remember, um, I don't remember a Celtic doing kind of a, I don't want to say better, but doing a more decent job on LeBron. He at least he at least makes him work for whatever he's going to get, and LeBron can't overpower him. They're basically the same size. Morris is a big dude; he's six nine, two fifty. Right. You know. You so, know, I, I'm not going to disagree with you because at at halftime, well, first of all, LeBron had 21 in the first quarter, but he only had four points in the second quarter. So that that was because that more, Morris was guarding him more in the second quarter. The first they tried to get away right. with Jalen Brown and Tatum and. Um, well, Cle Cleveland did a great job in the first quarter of uh, picking uh, Morris off of LeBron, and we'd end up with somebody else guarding LeBron when he, who had more difficulty when he uh, went to the basket. You also, what? I don't know if you recall, but LeBron <laughs> made three of his first four three three pointers. Well, when he made and, that when he made that one in front of the bench, I did Oh my gosh. I started was, to get that, the flashbacks of that game we went yeah. to, the 2012 game 6 when he just right. murdered us. But the difference right. was they could never really pull away as he was doing that. Well, 
Yeah, and everybody's written about it, and and I'm sure you've talked about it as well. He didn't have his sidekick, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I mean, there was a slight period in the second quarter when Korver hurt us. You know, I think he made uh, three threes and and a two, and he had 11 points at the half. I don't think he scored in the second half. Uh, you know, they have an inconsistent group around LeBron. Wait, you, you're using the word inconsistent? That's a complimentary compared to yeah, what it actually well, is. They suck. I mean, they had three guys in double figures. Uh, I think we had five or six guys in, six guys in double figures. Um, almost seven, because I think Baines had nine points. You know, we're just... I, I, I'm still walking out of there shaking my head because there's no Irving, there's no Hayward. We have five guys out there playing terrific team basketball, but we never expected to be here. We're we're two games away from the finals. I know. I just did before you came on. I was saying like the most surprising teams have made the finals, and just there's certain teams that you know, even if it's surprising they made the finals, they still had an, an All NBA guy in the team, like Dwight Howard and the '09 Magic. He was first team All NBA there. He was the best center in the league. This team has no really anything, although. I think hey, the listeners already heard me make this case, but I, I think Horford people are now appreciating that he's kind of better than everyone realized, but we've felt this way the whole time. But do you still yeah, feel like we, he's we, gone up a leap, yeah. uh, gone up a level or, or you feel like this is Al Horford? Um, I think he's gone up a level in the playoffs. I think he, you know, he, he's a terrifically consistent player, team player. I mean, if, if it calls for him, playing point forward, he'll play point forward. But I looked up at the scoreboard, I think, at the end of the third quarter, he had seven points. And uh, he, he was missing shots that he typically makes. Yeah, he was off. three-pointers. Yeah, I agree. Off. I mean, his, his So was Tatum. So was Tatum, yep. Um, but in the fourth quarter, putting Smart aside, because he was crazy the whole game, Horford took over. Uh, yeah. He, he he was I think he had a minute and a half span where he made like eight points and and all of a sudden LeBron was walking to the bench and taken out of the game. Uh, well, and they I'm sure you could see this from your seats. They they just don't move on defense, and I don't know. I keep thinking like what's going to happen in Cleveland. And I'm sure we're you know I'm sure LeBron's going to get some calls in Game Three and the typical Game Three calls. stuff. He got calls last night. Yeah, but he's me. LeBron. He should get the calls. Um, but, uh, but I think the one thing that's not going to change with this Cavs team is how bad they are on defense. They've been bad the whole year. They've, they figured out how to kind of cheat it, but where you can get them is ball movement and, uh, and, and running off of rebounds. And they like Tim Legler was on ESPN last night after the game. And he was pointing out like three plays that happened during the game where, the Celtics would get a rebound and they would have all five guys underneath the Cavs basket. And then they would take off and the Cavs had guys like four guys back and the Celtics were still able to beat them down court because they're just, they're just not hustling. And I think LeBron has learned, there was a great Brian Windhorst story about this. LeBron's learned how to kind of cheat during games and not, and save his energy basically for offense. And you you can't do that against us. Cause because, like I said, I, I took Don to the game. He had never seen LeBron play. And we're walking out of the garden after the game, and he said, you know, LeBron doesn't play much defense. No. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he kind of loafs out there. He paces. He tries to play 
you know, safety or center field. Yeah. And uh, it was very noticeable. Um, on the other hand, he, well, but he has to do that. Yeah, he no, he's, he's in his yeah. 15th year and he's played a kajillion minutes and that's the, the, he picks these spots to save energy. But I think what's interesting is, especially yesterday, the Celtics were kind of attacking that and they're going back door on him and setting picks and waiting for him to kind of zone out for a second. And there was a number of times they were able to take advantage of that. Then you go to J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver. Like these guys aren't good defenders. The trades they made, you know, look at yesterday. Clarkson gets a DMP. Hood played 11 minutes, two points. Uh, Larry Nance played 11 minutes, zero points. And then George Hill, who looked like a corpse last night, 33 minutes, three points. And that, and those were their big trade deadline deals. And by the way, you don't have to worry about the Brooklyn pick conning us anymore in the lottery because they, it ended up being the eighth pick. Yeah. That was a relief. They'll get a player, but they're not going to get a superstar player. Yeah. You know, Um, although I guess if Kyrie, Kyrie would have been hurt anyway, so they would have been missing him either way, but. Well, uh, who knows? I mean, one, one injury on one team one year doesn't mean it would have happened on the other team. So Uh, yesterday that looked that way. They got 64 points and 25 rebounds from Love and LeBron, and they lost by 13. I right. This Celtics team has been much better at home than on the road for the most part. And even well, even the games they've won, they basically played like a good half. And guys like Rogier have been different guys at home than on the road. I think it's tougher to expect the energy guys – it's just not the same. You're on the road. Yeah, we have we have to do what we did against Philly. We have to steal one of the two games. I don't know if you saw uh, Ty, Ty Lue's uh, post game uh, press conference, but he said he made a comment. He said, "You know, the Celts don't play as well on the road." Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure you want to throw that out there, but because we already know that. But do you throw that out there to the Celtics? And he also, I don't remember the word he used. It wasn't goons. But it was a ref- an inference that the Celtics play too physical a style of basketball, and I'm kind of laughing as as I'm recalling J.R. Smith two, two, shoving with two hands in the back of Horford as he went curling and could have easily done something to his legs. Well, remember so, he knocked out Crowder a few years ago. There's a there's yeah. a YouTube clip of J.R. Smith that's called like J.R. Smith's ten dirtiest plays that. Probably could be, tw- yeah, there's, there's 10 of them, but there could probably be 20. Like he's somebody that, that definitely has these moments where he just snaps during games and, right. uh, and has also had a really bad year. I think the Cavs fans have been the most frustrated with him. I think over anybody loves always hurt us. Thompson, I thought his rebounding hurt us, but I think the problem for them is because they didn't develop their seven through 11 guys at all it's a pretty easy team to play because you know what you're getting. You know, it's not like they can throw different lineups and, and I wouldn't have started JR last night. I would have started Corver. Yeah, uh, I agree. After that first half, Corver never got the ball. I don't even, I don't think he played the third quarter. Do you know how many minutes he played? Yeah. You know how many minutes he played? No. 21. Yeah. See, I would have, I would have played him 35 minutes. (laughs) I was going to say, I would have, I would have played him 40. I mean, every time he came off a screen, he was open. And my um, uh, guy in front of me said, who, "Who scares you more, uh, Reddick or Corver?" And I thought that was a really good question, given we've just seen Reddick in the Philly series. They're, they're very similar, scary players. 
You yeah. know, when that ball goes up in the air, you kind of assume it's going in. And there's not too many players like that. So I'm glad he didn't play that many minutes. Do you want to apologize to Jalen Brown for not liking, not liking that pick when they made it two years ago? I think you owe him uh, no, something. I was, it was Rick Grossback that uh, got booed. I didn't get booed. I, I didn't. You didn't like the pick. I, I don't think I, who did I say I wanted? I mean, I don't, I never wanted, saw Jalen uh, no, Brown. Play. You wanted Jamal Murray. I think it's Romy on the bus. Who did, who did I want? Jamal Murray in Kentucky, who's now in Denver. That's who you wanted. You were upset. You were I like Jalen Brown. So. Who is this guy? He can't score. You don't remember that? I don't think so. You don't remember. I don't remember that. Do at you all. remember being upset when they made the Tatum trade? You didn't understand why you traded down. Why do we do that? What the hell's going on? Why don't we just take faults? He's the best guy. Do you have guy? any uh, video evidence of that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Zach Lowe and I talked. I did Zach Lowe's podcast on Monday. We were talking about that trade. About the best part of that trade was the Lakers not smoke screening anybody at all and just staying at number two and not even pretending they were taking Tatum for a second. Cause the Celts were taking Tatum at one. They just figured they could get him at three cause the Lakers were taking Lonzo get another yeah. asset. And all magic had to do was pretend he liked Jason Tatum for like two seconds. And, uh, and, and we would have traded something to him probably. No, or we just stay at one and we don't make the trade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Uh, Except they, L.A. was stuck. They they were between a rock and a hard place on that pick. I mean, their fan base wanted them to take a ball. Hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, but I think they would end up taking them anyway, but I don't know if it's a good idea to have it out there who you're taking. We were worried about Sacramento. The Celtics have Sacramento's pick next year. It's top one protected. So right. our, our hope for Sacramento was that... Um, they're, they're, the, they're the second worst team. Um, or also that uh, they don't get somebody who's good enough to kind of transform their team so that all of a sudden they're the eighth worst team instead of the well, third worst team. This morning I read a, a very well done article on The Ringer about the um, the projected top first and second round picks now in the in the draft, yeah. and they're they're projecting Phoenix to take uh, the kid from uh, Spain. Doncic. And, and that and that the center would go number two to the Kings. Well, that's what we want. And, and that's you said that's what you want because he may be terrific in three years, but right, he's not going to carry a team next year. He's not going to be Shaq on the on the ninety three Magic and come in and put yeah. up twenty two and twelve a game. He's he will take a couple years. I Doncic worries me for the Sacramento because he could come in and have an immediate impact. I've been really impressed by some of the stuff he's been doing for them. With uh, tough, this Real Madrid tough team, Phoenix, tough for Phoenix not to go for that franchise center, though. Tough choice that they're going to have. I don't, I think. I would. I just think that I think Luca was special to do I've to do what he's doing at. Well, but to do what he's doing at at eighteen to be playing yeah. crunch time and being like the guy on a on one of the best teams in Europe well, was crazy. The new Phoenix coach coached them. Uh, I think in the world championships, but so I, hope, I, I hope they, I hope they take them. Um, they take them and they still have no center, which is part of the reason I'm a little worried. They may take the center. I thought, um, I, I thought, um, I was the most worried when Phoenix hired that coach that they were going to end up with him anyway. 
because it just seemed fishy to me. They hired this guy with this connection who I'd never really heard mentioned for a job. And then all of a sudden this guy is the Phoenix coach. So I figured like if they were two, three or four, he was going to rig it so that, Hey, I'm not even going to come to the NBA unless I go to Phoenix. But now Phoenix gets the number one pick. And you think about it, like if they had him Booker and Josh Jackson, and then they use their cap space to go sign Clint Capella, all of a sudden yeah, that seems really be a fun. Little bit like, like the Celtics with the great wings. Yeah. But I, but for Sacramento, I don't really see, they, they don't really have a lot of salary cap space. Fox is their best guy, but he's a couple years away and I don't really see right. a path for them. You know, the big thing for us was, was, uh, Brooklyn, that Brooklyn pick not landing in the top three would have, would have sucked. Yeah, I mean, it, if, uh, if Brooklyn had, if, uh, excuse me, Cleveland had ended up with, uh, the second pick in the draft, um, that would have just bothered me for some stupid reason. So can I'm I read uh, number eight? Before we go, can I read some of your tweets from last night? My dad's on well, Twitter. Well, I, need to, I need to say my my phone died in the third quarter. So end of the third quarter. So my my loyal fan base, I couldn't tweet anything. <laughs> my dad has twenty six thousand followers, which I think puts you in the top fifty for people over seventy. So, but unfortunately, your phone died and your prostate died in the third quarter. But yeah, uh, but it's a tough night. Uh, here, here, here are some of your tweets from last night. Uh, Celt settling for the three, blah, blah, blah. Also, has LeBron ever had a turnover or missed a shot where he wasn't fouled? Cry baby, three exclamation points. <laughs> that was one. Uh, league apparently gave the message to the refs, need the series tied at one, heading back to Cleveland. Terrible calls all game. Then the next one, with my brother Don, who's never seen LeBron in person, ask me why LeBron cries to the refs every time he doesn't get a call, misses a shot, or commits a turnover. I told him there's one set of rules for the king and another for everyone else. Um, you were fired up. So I, I guess my point is people people wonder where I get it from, but I'm 50% you, and that's where I get it from because those sound like exaggerated, crazy tweets that I would do. I guess they do, and I... I... There, it really bugs me when LeBron cries every time something happens. You, you hate LeBron. It really bugs me. I mean, he'll get a turnover and it will be the Celtics' fault. Yeah. Uh, God forbid he gets called for a foul. He, I know. He's never fouled in his career. And if he misses a shot, obviously he, he must have gotten hit on the arm. <laughs> it's such a consistent crybaby, crybaby theme during the game. He really and does. Obviously, obviously it bugged me during the game. He, uh, uh, yeah. you, you know what they do? Uh, the Celtics do this. I don't know if people realize this, but LeBron always looks up at the jumbotron after any call that goes against him yes, for he replay. Does. He, he, I, I, he does. You, I watched it last night. You right? But do you know what the Celtics do? Well, the Celtics don't show stuff that's controversial. No, yep. they no, they don't show any replay that he's going to look up. They just show him looking up at the jumbotron. Yeah. So he looks up okay. for the call, and it's just LeBron looking at himself, basically, and, and it's know, one of like right, their little tricks. I saw him looking up there, and and there was kind of an iffy call, and he's looking up there, and the jumbotron has a picture of him looking up there with that. I, but I didn't realize that that's a a, a uh, deliberate effort on the part of the Celtics not to give him anything to then go yeah. scream to the ref about, right? The other thing that I learned last night was that. Marcus Morris's brother, Markeith, was sitting under the basket near where uh, Wick yeah. was. 
And apparently yeah. when J.R. Smith did that foul, he was standing up and, and screaming at J.R. Smith. We had both Morris brothers upset at J.R. Smith. I think that's good uh, for us. That's very funny. Um, uh, so how are you yeah, feeling? So you think, I, do we win this? <laughs> oh, God. When when Cleveland was up eleven last night in the third quarter, I just didn't know if we could come back because LeBron, we couldn't stop LeBron, and uh, and then suddenly it's eighty four seventy seven, and when we're in the lead, and I'm not sure how it happened. Yeah, I said I said to Don, how did that? What happened? <laughs> we're, we're down by eleven, and now we're up by seven. Right, and it happened so fast. Can, can we do this? Yeah, we can do this, but we have to steal one in, in uh, Cleveland. Um, and you're you're coming back for game six. Wouldn't you like to see us up three one? No, I'm coming back for five. I mean game five. Wouldn't yeah. you like to see us up three uh, one? No, I, I want to cancel my trip because we swept. That's my dream scenario. Oh, okay. Well that's not happening, but I know, but I that's, that's I'm just saying if you gave me my draft picks for choices for the rest of the series, number one would be I have to cancel my trip because we swept the series. Number two would be we're up three one and going into game five. But yeah. I do think this this big layoff before Game Three helps the Celtics because this is if it's two two next Wednesday night. Um, unfortunately, I, I I have horror memories of that Miami know, team coming in here. I know. I think that was Game Six, and uh, LeBron just being now he was younger, obviously, but he was totally unstoppable that night. So. He's not. He doesn't have the same gas tank. And the the thing that I'm curious for, if I had to bet, if you told me like it's going to be 2-2 and the Cavs are going to win game five in Boston, that's one scenario. Or the Cavs are going to splinter and get swept would be the other scenario, which neither one I don't, I don't think is that realistic. Um, I, I see them splintering more than rallying because yeah. I thought the stuff that was going on last night and the announcers were talking about it but then the people I know who were at the game were like they were yelling at each other and, and the body language was awful and um, I could I could see they were yelling at each other by the way the uh, it'll the be interesting to see yelling. George Hill and uh, Jarrah Smith were yelling at each other yeah it'll be interesting to see it just doesn't seem like a happy team which makes no, me doesn't. wonder, you know, Clarkson's unhappy. Hood refused to go in the game. Uh, Thompson's playing time got ranked around all year. J.R. Smith is a freaking wild card. Kevin Love, it's like he's either LeBron's best friend or LeBron's mad at him, one or the other. You're going down the right. line. Nance isn't but, playing. But, but again, they, they play much better at home. True. And we, ha we have guys, and, and Terry Rozier is the perfect example. I don't know what happens to him on the road, but he's not the same player. Well, he's so he's a young guy. Yeah, he's a young guy. Never... I mean, if, if this series goes seven, I mean, let's say everybody holds home court and uh, game seven in Boston, it's a Sunday night at eight thirty. My I, God, that's crazy. Well, they think it's crazy Why for you. This is a Sunday at three thirty in the afternoon game. People are worried about uh, people are worried about your heart and your health. Do you want to give them the report on that before we go? <laughs> um. Fortunately, I have good heart medication. I didn't need any what of it. What was that on pause? I didn't need any of it on Sunday. Tuesday, you but, needed it? Uh, I needed it last night. Oh, um, God. But it led to my bathroom visit, yeah. So I'd like to see a sweep. It would certainly help my heart condition. And 
Yeah. And then we're, we're on to the finals. The Celtics need time to recover, and so do you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Right. This is certainly um, one of the most improbable. I feel like 2012 making the finals with that team, that seemed like it was pretty much done. That was pretty crazy. Uh, last year, just making it to round three was relatively nuts. Um, the 2000. We, if we're if we're in a game seven in Boston, are you here? What kind of fan are you? Are you are you here? Are you flying coast to coast for game seven? I, I'm gonna wait to see what happens. Okay. You know, I think I'm a pretty good fan. I've come back a I few times you, already. I think you're a great fan. The uh, thanks, um, thanks a lot. The 2000. 2000- well, I had three people come up to me last night and say, really enjoying your tweets. Oh, um, you were really having a renaissance. And so the social media renaissance. Yeah. So it's great. This is great need, for you. You need to give me a couple more shout outs because. Uh, All right. I, I don't know that I have the over 70 crowd yet. I'm not sure. Are they tweeting, by the way? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Dad, hang in there. I'll talk to you later in the week. All right. Talk All to right you. Bye. Bye. All right, Shea Serrano is here. Before we get to him, Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. Let's talk about that. Dan Patrick, ESPN legend, legendary sportscaster from the Dan Patrick Show, Sunday Night Football Sports Center. You know, he's teamed up with Full Sail University to offer an accelerated bachelor's degree in sportscasting. Full Sail University combines hands-on learning, immersive projects, and a great faculty with real-world experience to prepare students for life in the media industry so you can eventually someday end up being like me or Shea Serrano. For the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, they brought in some of sports media's best to be a part of this program. Longtime ESPN producer, multi-Emmy winner, and my friend since 1982, Gus Ramsey. He's leading the program. He's been on this podcast. Still plays video games, even though he's has three kids somehow. Amazing. Uh, sportscasting pros such as Jay Harris, Kevin DeGande, many more are involved. I am thrilled to be part of the advisory board. I might even speak to a couple classes over the course of the next year. In this program, students will learn sportscasting inside and out, on camera, behind the camera, podcasting, radio, interviewing, everything in between at Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. You can earn a bachelor's degree in about half the time, as short as 20 months. And you can choose to earn your degree online or at Full Sail's campus in Orlando, Florida. To learn more about Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, go to fullsail.edu slash Bill Simmons. And we should mention, we, we've we actually given them advice on the type of people that we wish we were able to find candidates on. Because, you know, a lot of these journalism schools train people in old school, uh, go be a beat reporter, or go be a copy editor, and just these old school things. And the reality is... Multimedia stuff's changing. Stuff's changing. Have to teach somebody like nephew Kyle how to edit a podcast and produce it and be an engineer, and we had to do it on the fly here. And it would be nice if he could have gone to a school and done all those things. Anyway, Shea Serrano is here. His microphone is pointed up like an erect penis. You might, yeah. Can you fix that? Thank you. Um, it took ten seconds for this to get inappropriate. Thank you. Uh, you're coming off a triumphant appearance in House of Carbs. Yes. My you talked house. about um, San Antonio food. You did not like my comments about the San Antonio text max. It's the closest I'd ever come to quitting my job. In yeah, my I life. didn't mean that. I, I should have checked. I should have at least given you a heads up. <laughs> Something. I was saying the the text max is great, but that's really the only alternative there. And if you're there for eight days and like by day four, it's like you can't 
eat another fajita. <laughs> you can't have another taco. And you're just like, can I have a salad or a juice or We have fajita anything. salads. Fajita salads. We have, that's an actual thing. <laughs> Salsa juice. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just, I, I, I'm one of those guys that likes to mix it up. And there's not a lot of mixing it up in San Antonio. No, there's not. You're going to get some beans and some rice and some meat. And, and some sizzling chicken. And arrange it in a way that is pleasing to you. But your case was Tex-Mex is the best. And so what if it's the only thing on the menu? It still kicks everything yeah. else's ass. Shaq dunked everything. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. Why, why do we want Shaq to shoot a three-pointer? Well, I don't want Mexicans in San Antonio cooking up, I don't know, Italian food. No, yeah, thank you don't you. need pasta in San Antonio. No, I don't need pasta in San Antonio. You got, there is some barbecue, but you have to kind of leave San Antonio and- and you got to get on head the out about 40 minutes. Yeah, we did yeah, it. Yeah. Jalen and I did it once. We went to whatever the most famous place was. And it was like a, probably an $80 taxi. And then the part we didn't realize what we did. We really did. We paid $80 for a taxi. Okay. And the part we didn't realize was the taxi back home. Uh-huh. It was like, oh yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And now we have to find somebody to drive us back. So that was an issue. But, uh, but I'll tell you nothing. I've never seen anybody happier than, than Jalen Rose in an old school barbecue place. Really? Oh my God. Big barbecue guy. Huh? He just... When we went to Gus's Fried Chicken in Memphis, I, I actually, I think it might've been the first Instagram picture I ever took was Jalen in this Gus's Fried Chicken thing. And he was just, he's just, that the, all of those foods, that was my favorite part of traveling with him. We would go find like whatever, like the under the radar barbecue yeah, or yeah, chicken yeah. place or all that stuff. Um, you're moving to San Antonio soon. Correct. July. Just in time for the 10 straight lottery appearances. <laughs> That's what I'm showing up. I want to be... Like on the panel when we, you know, the person they send. <laughs> they can send you. That's what I, if they can send Jamie goal. Gertz, they can send Chase Serrato. <laughs> Jamie Gertz, I, I think they could start a trend now of of uh, celebrities who, you know, had their moment, maybe not recently. Uh-huh. And those become your lottery representatives. It worked out well for them. Well, I yeah, would say, the would third you? Pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Would you have sent William Zabka from the Cobra you, Kai series that we're about to talk about? That's an automatic first pick. Yeah, if, if he's, he's there, if he's like, and the Johnny next Johnny Lawrence, said, but he has to be dressed. Billy he has to be dressed like Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, like with the bandana and everything. Or the Clippers. The Clippers. They've sent Billy Zabka. Is uh-huh. going to be their uh, their person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really think that would have worked for them. Yeah, but um, Cobra Kai. So you wrote about this for the Ringer, but we're I have not talked about it yet. I was supposed to have Macho and Zabka on my podcast last week. And something happened and we had to delay it. So I can't wait anymore. I want to talk about this. <laughs> okay. Heard about this idea and felt bad for everybody. Just like a year ago. Really? It was like, oh, that's, that's, this is, this is sad. This makes me sad. No This way. is a mistake. We can't do this. Okay. YouTube Red, what the hell have they done? Uh, Billy Zabka, he hasn't acted in 25 years since his legendary, I call it a three-peat. Karate Kid, just one of the guys back to school. Yeah. The greatest, I don't know where the that greatest ranks. bully run in history. Yeah, it's like Shaq 000102 yeah. versus Billy Zabka 84, 85, 86. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't we don't have the stats to really cross <laughs> genres, but um but an incredible run faded off. I did Adam Carolla's radio show, I'm gonna say 10 years ago. And we had him come on to talk about Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. And he was 80% into it and like 20% pissed off about it. Like, I'm an actor. Yeah. You know, I don't define myself by this movie. And Adam and I were both like, what the hell are you talking about? You're Johnny Lawrence. Like, you won the lottery. This is one of the great iconic roles ever. (laughs) Um, 
But now it seems like he's embraced it. So anyway, they show they had the trailer. I'm going to say about two months ago. Uh-huh. And the trailer was good. I thought it was fake when the trailer happened. I thought, yeah, it was like, it was like, this is too good. What's uh-huh. happening? Yeah. And it became clear they spent money on this. I still was, my guard was still up. And then the Korean Iverson, Donnie Kwok, he, that's his self-proclaimed nickname. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. heard it on, uh, on the other podcast. On the music podcast. <laughs> um, so Korean Iverson is in our Slack and is like, Cobra Kai is amazing. It's really good. I just ripped through it. Is anyone else watching this or are you guys not in the demo? And he's probably 10 years younger than I am. You're, you're mid thirties, right? You late thirties? 36. Yeah. 36. So I would say that the Karate Kid demo, nephew Kyle, you Karate Kid guy? Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know where the demo ends. Maybe it does. My kids just watched it. So Quack loved it. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. So my whole family was gone on a Saturday night, two weeks ago. Daughters at a bar mitzvah. My son and my wife were somewhere, and I just banged out all of them. Mm-hmm. And I had I had beer in the fridge. Probably drank like seven. Uh, watched <laughs> so, ten episodes. It was probably what five hours. Yeah, they go they, each episode is between like twenty three and thirty one minutes. It was five like hours of joy, is what it was. Yeah, it and was you really agree, hundred percent agree. They did everything right. It felt like yeah, every, every single thing that they could have messed up on, they avoided it. And everything that they could do right, they did it. From little tiny, little tiny like hat tips in there to big gigantic ones. It was just, it was really, really well done. What I realized, they did they did two really, really smart things. One was they flipped it and they made Johnny Lawrence sympathetic. Mm-hmm. This was a guy who was one of the iconic 80s villains. I, I certainly made my share of jokes about him in columns over the years. I talked about how, one joke I remember having was how after he graduated, he went to Duke. Yeah. Like he clearly was there. He used to be yeah. captain of the lacrosse team. Um, the, basically the closest we've had to like an Aryan youth character that without actually embracing. <laughs> okay. Um, just all those, like he's just, he was that guy. Right. Um, and they flipped it. And within 15 minutes of the first show, I'm rooting for Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. And he, then they had this key episode I can't remember which one, which it was a few down and where he's telling the kid that he's training yeah, about, about this guy, Daniel in. LaRusso. Uh-huh. And he's like, this guy comes in. I just broke it up with my girlfriend. This guy's hitting on her. Yeah. He starts a fight with me and they're backing up with the footage for the movie. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh yeah, Daniel LaRusso is kind of an <laughs> asshole. He deserves yeah, to get yeah, his yeah. ass kicked. Did that flip your opinion on Daniel LaRusso? No, I'm still very pro LaRusso. He's just okay. so charming. Yeah. He's too charming to not like. Yeah. Even when you rewatch the movie and you see like, hey, he's kind of talking to his mom like a dick yeah. right now. Um, but he just, he gives you that smile and that all shucks posture that he does. And he pulls you in. But yeah, the, the way that they turned Johnny Lawrence, who in the original Karate Kid is just as bad as a villain gets. Evil. As far as intimidating. Like, I don't know why he's so intimidating. It's a little bit of his voice. It's a little bit of his of his hair. It's a, like he's not super handsome, but just handsome enough to like sort of throw you off. And uh, It's always, you know somebody's evil when one of their henchmen, when they're kicking somebody's ass and somebody's like, that's enough, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he hit that, other people telling him that's enough, you know they're evil at that uh-huh. point. And, uh, and yeah, they just lean into him, how his life fell apart. And he's trying to put it together. The, I thought the scene for me that did it, that made me go like, okay, this show is going to be he, like, he's going to be great in this role is when he's in the convenience store and the guy is like, ha, he's, he has a pizza. 
Yeah. He orders a pizza and he's like looking for a plate. And so he gets into an argument with the cashier. Yeah. But the cashier speaking Spanish. And the Miguel, who he eventually comes on a train, is like translating for him. And the guy says something in Spanish. And then he asks him, what did he say? And then the, the kid starts laughing. He says, uh, he said, you have like a small... Whatever. Small, yeah. And then he goes like he said, I have a small wing. And then he just looks at him with those like Johnny Lawrence eyes, no smile or anything. He goes, Tell me he has a tiny wang. And that's it. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, Yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for right here. You're he so good. They laid it out really early with uh a, an old action movie cliche of the guy waking up and there's the beer next to him. Yeah on the bed, uh-huh. which he then decides to drink, even uh-huh. though it's like nine in the morning, which I think has been in maybe 38 to 40 movies over. The, it's like, ah, oh, this guy's not, his life's not going well. He's, <laughs> he's drinking a half, a warm half That's beer. That's how you know. That's how he's waking up. Yeah. yeah. He did everything but light the cigarette. He wasn't, he didn't smoke. You can always tell it's either that, or you could tell by how hard they turn their alarm clock off. It's right. like, <laughs> they bang it, they throw yeah. it. Like, okay. I know where you are in life. Yeah. And then, so the other thing is Daniel LaRusso, very successful car dealer guy now. Absolutely Big believable. Big billboards, believable. Yeah. I agree. Because you know why? Because Mr. A, Miyagi taught him how to be a winner. Yeah. He's a, he's a charmer. He's a, yeah. like, that's what you need that skill set to sell cars to people. And that I, that was another part that really made me laugh. They, they show, the first time you see him is on the on Billy's TV. Yeah. Or on, on Johnny's TV. And it's a commercial. And it's just like a normal commercial. And then at the end, he like starts chopping the prices in half. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is this is really fun. There's a lot of really smart stuff in it. And it made me not like Ralph Macchio that much, but I still had the DNA of liking him from the three movies. Yeah. Um, so it was like they could have they could have ratcheted it up and made him more likable. They made his kids unlikable. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't happy with the daughter. She's in a hit and run pretty early. Yeah, um, I like she's the working daughter. two guys against I li- each other. I liked her. I didn't like the son. He kind of has just sort of a throwaway role. Well, you don't have you don't have a daughter. That's true. I you weren't judging daughter. her like a dad. I no. was judging it like, why are you playing these two guys against each other? That's not how I raised you. Right, right, right. Why are you showing up at the party with this new guy? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, but so that was great. What I, what I realized though, as I'm watching it, is you know, there's all this IP from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm-hmm. And when they re they do the remakes, um, either they remake it and they modernize it, which has really not worked that often. Like they did like the Total Recall remake. It's right. like, why do we need this? Total Recall was good. Right. And then it's like, here's an inferior, terrible remake of a movie that you liked. Mm-hmm. Or like Amityville Horror. It's like, I, I liked Amityville Horror. I didn't need another Amityville Horror. The Ryan Reynolds and, one? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do this or they do... Like the Godfather three version of here are these characters later and they try to make it a new movie and bring in all these crazy new characters. This was like you like these movies in the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know these characters. Mm-hmm. Here they are now. Yeah. And some things have changed, but ultimately, here they are. But also, we know what happened in the old movie. We're not hitting all the same beats. We're going to acknowledge the old movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to show footage from the old movie. Great We're going to bring you back in. And it's like it's like we just picked up where it left off. Yeah. And I don't know why that hasn't really worked that well, but I feel like they stumbled on something. Yeah. And now I'm thinking like, what's next? What else can we do? Yeah. I think the trick there is you want to, when you're remaking a thing, you want to not advance anything like that with the total recall thing that's why it didn't work total recall was already set in the future 
Yeah. And now you're just setting it a little further in the future. It's like now it's or, further in the future. Or whatever. And you've got all this like super advanced stuff with the karate kid when they're just like, this, these are just the people and that's all you need. And we're going to, we're still Cobra Kai and we're still this, we're still, we're not changing the, the pieces. We're still using the same sort of music. Just, you know, it felt old and new at the same time, which is always a tricky thing to be able to pull off. So I, and I don't want to say they invented it because we've seen other, other people have done this, like the Brady Bunch movie when mm -hmm. I was, I was living in Boston. It was after I was graduated college and it was about 20 years after the Brady Bunch had be had been this iconic show of my childhood. Right. And they basically brought it back, but they had new actors playing all the same people. And part of why it worked was because they were making fun of, yeah. it was this very elaborate making fun of this show from the mm -hmm. 70s with all the new characters. So that works. But I think Rocky, the 2006 movie, which I have conflicted feelings on when they he came back and- Was that with Antonio Tarver? Yeah. Okay. The, the fight scene's good. The love interest is not good. Mm -mm. There's things I would do differently with it. Ultimately, it was nice to have him back. Yeah. But then Creed, I think, is the best example of this. Creed so Creed comes out example. before Cobra Kai. Mm -hmm. They take Rocky, who I already like, I have a history with, and they now we've advanced his life and now new things are happening. Yeah. And that's what they did with this. Yeah. I think the other thing you need to do is you have to, when you're pulling in all the new people or, or reintroducing it, all the characters, you need for for it to change just just a little bit, just enough to make it feel more interesting. And that's what they did here when they turned like, we're going to put, we're going to make Ralph the bad guy this time or, or Daniel the bad guy. We're going to make Johnny the good guy. We're going to get to see the new Johnny Lawrence, like his origin story with Miguel yeah. Diaz, which was which is always fun to watch. Um, yeah, you have to do those sorts of things. Yeah, they, the casting was good. I was glad that you just didn't cast Great. white people. Yeah, of course. They, they mixed it up. Uh -huh. They had all kinds, all types. And they set up season two brilliantly. Yeah. They, Got me excited they laid for season two. all the tracks down perfect. Should we give away the spoiler? Maybe... How many weeks is it? I don't want to spoil the 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 last spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not spoil that. But okay. I was super excited. Oh yeah. How did like, you know? Oh yeah. It was like was one it? of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I was also really surprised by how likable of an actor Billy Zabka was. He's so, uh, did not think he had that in him. Why hasn't that dude been acting? I don't know. But yeah, that's like the tiny wang scene that I was talking about. Like because he he's does, in a lot of scenes. He does little things where you just laugh. And when he I think his relationship with Miguel for me, it was like the most touching part I of agree. it. Um, they do that quick little trick where we find out he has a kid and the kid doesn't like him and he's really sort of going through through it. And uh, this is after he, uh, Miguel's mom had pulled him away from, yeah. from Johnny. And so they do like a cut shot and they show him at the door explaining to someone like this kid is the last, you know, he's all that I have left. He's the only one that believes in me anymore. And you think it's the son. And then they swing it around and it's Miguel's mom. And you're like, let's fucking go. Yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Although and he never slept with the mom, which I was upset about. He didn't. No, he can't. That's gonna, that, that, yeah, doesn't, that doesn't happen save until- Save that for season two. That's season three. They, yeah, they could have had margaritas when they got drunk and something bad could have happened that, that'll or something. Be, that'll definitely be, be season three. But yeah, they do like, there was that part. There was a part where when he goes and he gets the Cobra Kai reinstated back into the tournament. And yeah. then they're paralleling that with, with uh, Miguel out on a date and then they meet back up at the dojo 
And he's like, did you do your thing? I did my, yeah. And they just start celebrating together. Yeah. And they're like, yes, this is so great. And they have some good homages. Like the, uh, he goes on the date and it's something, but they played the same music mm-hmm. that the Daniel San played when he was with uh, Allie. Yeah. I love the part when they got drunk at the bar together and they go look up Allie on Facebook yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. married and she lives in Denver. It's really clever. Yeah. Right? You th- you would have wanted more episodes. I thought I would have settled for eight. I thought 10 was too many, but you would have gone for like 15. I would I would have gone like office style give me 22 episodes <laughs> we would have been it would have been great i would have liked to see them stretch episodes. it out just just a little bit more they also had the good training scene that they basically just copied from the movie with that that music mm-hmm. the really good karate kid music that doo, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. and they're on the canoe with like it's twilight uh-huh. and they're doing like the poses so they did that part so they played some of the hits but they did it in a way that didn't feel uh over the top yeah. i was really impressed and it made me think like what else is out there? I'd always going back to my column 15 years ago, I'd always joked about um, a movie with, where Drago and Clubber Lang fight. Mm-hmm. And it's just basically like Rocky ruined our careers, but now we're both on the comeback trail and Rocky's retired. And there's this arc headed toward now those guys are too old, but I would still kind of like to catch up with Ivan Drago. R- Drago versus Clubber. That movie is nine minutes long. Yeah. And Drago just, it might just be a trailer. Destroys him. There's oh, no really? Reason. You have Drago as the favorite. Oh, 100 percent oh, I think I think I think Drago's PD is I think it's like an Andrew Galata thing. I think he has a very short run. Rocky's Rocky's uh when his second fight with Clubber, when he's like at peak Rocky form, which was not the best version of Rocky. Rocky yeah. Rocky and Rocky Four is the best version of Rocky. Rocky and Rocky he's Three. Incredible is, shape. He's like a close. he's like a welterweight in Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky he's a big Four. guy. He's like no, he's he's like 160 pounds of just oh, yeah, cut yeah. muscle. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, in Rocky Three, that fight only goes like two or three rounds, and then yeah. it's over. It's a flaw in Rocky Three that Clubber is that tired after two rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky's like, look at him, he can't breathe. I and Clubber's Clubber like, too. <gasps> see, I I've had this argument many times. I think Rocky three is the best Rocky movie, but I like Rocky four the most. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement. I think Rocky four is the most entertaining. I think Rocky three start to finish is actually just a really good movie. It's, it's really it's like smart. a genuinely good movie. It's yeah. really well written. It's got, it's got twists and turns. Clubber Lang is incredible. Thunderlips is incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, a, pa- it's, it's the a, best Polly. Adrian looks like genuinely good in that movie. It's the only Rocky movie where they, where they touch on race at all. Yeah, Polly gets a little racist in he Rocky does, Three. Yeah, yeah they, 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 the, the basic cable. They, they should, might have to edit a couple yeah, of those yeah, slides yeah. out. <laughs> but it's got the uh, and it's got the unbelievable ending of the what if ending uh-huh. when they have the 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 third fight and we'll never know. And that's another example what they, what they do with Creed, where they like jump back to a thing and yeah, show you something that it. you didn't get to see before, and they like clear it up. They do that in. So what else is out there for you? Because we we both agree this works. We both recommend Cobra Kai. Um, What do you want? What do you want from the 80s or 90s? Like they're making Top Gun 2, which worries me. But at the same time, Cobra Kai has now opened my eyes to if Top Gun 2 is done correctly. Top Gun 2 can work. Fat. It's just planes. Fat Val Kilmer. Planes haven't changed that much. Planes yeah, haven't put, changed. Put him in charge of flight school. Cruise with like, my fear is like Cruise with like badly dyed hair, uh-huh. pretending he's not 58 years old anymore. Right, right, right. Trying to still be Maverick and having some girl that's too young for him. And <laughs> I, that's where it could go wrong. But on the on the other hand, if he's in the Tom Skerritt role, what was his character in Top Gun? Tom Skerritt? 
Oh, uh, the guy who's the yeah. father figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's in that role for somebody who's the new Maverick, I think that could work. I don't mm-hmm. know. You gotta. You I guarantee gotta he's not with s- Kelly McGillis. Switch though. it enough. No, no, no. Oh, she's out. Um, give me. We do need. I would like to see Top Gun. I would like to see New Bloodsport. If we're gonna make a oh, TV wow. series out of a movie, Bloodsport has all the parts you need. So you, you, me, and our old Grantland colleague and friend Ray Bartholomew are the three people who love Bloodsport the most. <laughs> of, yeah. all, of all people, including Jean-Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. and everyone else. And maybe my son, because I think I've gotten him into it enough. Yeah. The original Bloodsport came out 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It is one of the best 10 premises ever for an action movie. Absolutely. It's incredible. Go. He goes to the secret tournament. What is it, Thailand? Somewhere, uh, yeah. it's like a Thailand type. It's, yeah. We don't, we don't really know. But he's also, the Americans don't want him to fight. So he's kind of on the run for the Americans. Mm-hmm. And then this crazy, I don't even know how they came up with it. The the fight thing where it's like, it's a little bit hilled. It's Oh, the mat. It's, the mat is yeah. like, a, it's a, <laughs> it goes up. So you have a chance to do these running crazy kicks. <laughs> and basically you're allowed to kill somebody. And Chong Lee, who's a menace and who's the most steroid guy that's Woo! ever existed, Woo! somehow goes too far in a tournament where you're allowed to kill somebody and everybody turns their back on him. Yeah. It's like, well, that was too far. He, you killed him the wrong way. You killed him. You shouldn't have <laughs> broken his neck after he gave up. Come on, Chong Lee. Yeah. Uh, but that is start to finish great. And I'm with you. Why isn't that a series? Any any movie that has a tournament in it is automatically like, yeah. At least 40% good. You can't good. lose. Yeah. It's because the last 25 minutes, you know, it's just working you to the last 25. Getting. You know what you're getting. I'm with you on Bloodsport. Uh, sadly, RIP pour out uh, a 40 for Patrick Swayze, but Roadhouse 30 years later where he's now the same Elliot character. What happened I think with the worked. Roadhouse remake that they were doing? Weren't they talking about doing it with Ronda Rousey a couple years ago? I think the problem was Ronda Rousey was in it. Ronda Rousey is good. Can, she can't act though. Probably not. But she could fight. Her Fast and Furious scenes. Oh, we should mention Justin Lin locked in for Fast and Furious 9. Is he? Yeah. Let's go. They just announced that two days Fast ago. Fast and Furious he 9. He did the best too. Um, yeah. What are your favorite? I forget. First place is the first one for me. Well, because that's, that's the most realistic. Yeah. Of. The last one. I'm almost ready to do a podcast with you about the last one. It's got a lot of holes. I love the last one. I still don't understand the missile underneath the water tracking the people on cars on ice going 200 miles an hour Mm -hmm. and and what happened to everybody. You got to just not ask any questions. You can't ask any questions for the last two. The further into the series you get, the less amount of questions you can ask. I still think them driving a car through two skyscrapers is the most unrealistic moment in the movie, but you could also talk me into parachuting on under the mountain, on mountain the and, but also going full speed and dropping the parachute. I still, when I watch, you can even do that in Fortnite. When I watch, <laughs> when I watch them jumping from building to building, I still like lean back in my seat. Yeah, like, it's ah! harrowing. It's and, harrowing. When does the Rock skyscraper movie come out? And are we seeing it together? Uh, it comes out this summer. I'm comes excited out for that. July, one. I think. I think in July. But yeah, that's gonna be good. So going backwards, speed. No, I don't. That doesn't work as a TV. We're talking about movie to TV series, right? Either we're doing. Oh, you want movie to TV? Yeah, I like a series. It like would a take us five thing. minutes to make speed a TV series. Yeah, exactly. He's Does Keanu it, Reeves is still a bomb guy. Uh huh. And now there's a guy they can't catch, and it's like twenty four basically. It's it's what if it's ten hours him? of real time? 
<laughs> you got to go catch him. I don't. I don't think Speed works as a TV show. I think the biggest mistake Twenty Four made was not coming back as a binge watch show on Netflix. Yeah, where that it's like here's out. thirteen episodes of Twenty Four. It's thirteen mm-hmm. hours and bang through it. Yeah, Speed could work for that though. Speed could. I don't know. I don't, what if I, it's? I'm trying to think. Uh, somebody you love. Give I'm, me like your three favorite actors that you feel like aren't getting enough due right now. Current actors or old actors? Either. Um, give me name, I want, name all three famous Mexican actors right now. I want there. They, we don't have three. Name two. They're, they're, they're like three Latino. My, my, who, Latino who, actors. Who are your three actresses. Latino actors? Give me. Uh, give me John Leguizamo. I want a John Leguizamo. How TV about John show. Leguizamo as as the Dennis Hopper terrorist torturing Keanu Reeves? He could be the bad guy, but he he I think he works better as a good guy, as like a sympathetic good guy. What about 11 actors who turn, 11 Latino actors who turn on Hollywood and start terrorizing Hollywood because there's not enough parts? That would And work. only Keanu Reeves could stop them. But we still, we, if you have- we, All of like, them would get hired. 11 of them. Jimmy Smith would be able to, to come back. We have to CGI four of them because we only have seven. <laughs> John Leguizamo's got to play three parts. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be Jimmy Smiths with CGI technology so they could use LA Law Jimmy Smiths uh-huh. and what was the move running scared Jimmy Smiths? Like when they did it with uh, with the new Terminator with Arnold. They brought back the new right. old Terminator. Where do you stand on running scared? The Paul Newman one? I no, mean the, the, the Paul the, Walker one? The the Billy Crystal Gregory Hines one. I've never seen that one. Oh. Wait, yeah. th- th- that's the one they remade with Paul Walker? No, that's just same title, totally different movie. This oh, one was I like, do like that one. a buddy cop movie with Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Really? That has Jimmy Smith as the bad guy. It has Joe Pantoliano in one of his key. Oh, 80s. I love Joe. I, He's a I great pro- character actor, I guarantee right? you will like this movie. And has a, a an essential 80s Michael McDonald song in it. Okay. Yeah, I really great. All right. It's really, I actually, I don't understand why they didn't make five running scares. And I know the the three people still listening to this podcast <laughs> agree with me right now. At least one of them are like, oh, I'm so glad someone brought this up. <laughs> so wait, so what is your, what's your pecking order for movies you'd make? Uh, give me Bloodsport first place. So you go 10 episodes of Bloodsport in Thailand? 10 episodes of Bloodsport. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. We got a guy who has to go fight in a tournament. And uh, Roadhouse we can't do because really nobody's left from that movie now. Mm-mm. Swayze killed everybody and then he died in real life. I don't yeah, know how they so do that one. He's out. You can't do Roadhouse, but you could probably do... I think I think it would be cool to do just one of the guys. Oh, wow. Right? That movie has not aged well. My no. daughter was like, what's going on with this movie? Yeah, yeah. She can't write for a school paper? I don't understand that. You get, you get to, <laughs> she's a girl, she can't write for the school paper? What? You have to re- redo some parts of it, but I feel like right now would be a good time to remake that one. Those crossover movies where nobody in the new high school can figure out that it's actually a girl mm-hmm. and there's no real reason for them to be doing it, but they commit to it anyway. It's like, I'm going to spend three months dressed like a boy to prove some point to my newspaper editor. Yeah. It's a little flawed. What about Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? I feel like that would work as a TV show. I think that one could probably work too. Although they basically just remade that as the movie with that, the Melissa McCarthy movie, Life of the Party. So my my daughter came home from that Melissa McCarthy movie and told me the plot. And I was like, this is Back to School. She uh-huh. had no idea what that meant. Yeah. So Did you go didn't see they it? Make that, yeah, she liked it. It's good. Didn't they do also do that with Cedric the Entertainer? Didn't they re- remake Back to School with him too? 
I didn't see that. Are one we just out of ideas? Yeah, I think so. I think so. They're making the purge of a TV series that works. That'll work. Yeah, you. What you need for a good TV series, and the reason, uh, another reason, Cobra Kai works is you need to build up to a thing that could be like this is the end of it. Yes, when we got to the end of the tournament. Like you knew you know, the tournament was coming. That's 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 how it has to end at the end of the tournament. And then now we're gonna set up next season as another tournament. Same thing. So that's why like Friday Night Lights works so well. Right. We're getting to the playoffs, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bank, win state. Bank bank robberies would work. A we both we both saw what was that last bank robbery movie that came out? I texted you that we had to talk about it. Den of Thieves. Good start, solid ending, very tough hour plus in between. I, Gerard he, Butler was as Chris Ryan said, Gerard Butler was going for it. Gerard Butler is like the best worst bad good actor in any movie I've ever seen. He is completely over the top. It's enjoyable. I think he thinks he's doing way better than we do. But yeah. I still like it. Yeah. It, that to me seemed like he didn't do any actual research on anything. He just he was in his house like, what would a cool mean guy do? Oh, I'm going to wear a ring and an affliction t-shirt. Like, yeah. what are you doing? I'm going to oh, I'm gonna act like I'm hungover. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get girls. I'm going to say a cool thing. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stare at people. I was really surprised by how much I liked Den of Thieves. I was expecting to go into it. You know it, why? Not liking it. Why? Because you're you're the only person I know who loves bank robbery movies more than I do. I lo- well, I do love a good bank robbery movie. Sometimes they don't work though. Sometimes they don't work. And I saw the cast, and I was like, Gerard Butler, nah. Fifty Cent, nah. I don't, I don't know these I'm other guys. A, here's nah. my counter on Fifty Cent. Are we sure he's not a really good actor? No, that's what I was gonna. I really like Fifty Cent as he an was actor. Great in Den of Thieves. Like, yeah. He was the best guy Super in Super duper likable, and I was rooting for him, even though he was a bank robber who was just killing multiple people. Yeah, he the the prom date scene when he takes the, yeah. the kid into the garage, and he's like, I, I worked on this because I wanted to say it as nice as possible at, at the, while he's threatening his life. Like, It was a really great scene. He, he dies great in the movie. Yeah, if you told me in 2001, whenever he had his iconic album, Get like, rich or die 50, trying. 50 Cent's going to be alive in 2018. I'll be like, no way. That guy, there's 0% <laughs> chance. He'd already been shot like what, 10 times? You get shot before you get famous though. I, but I just would assume that was it. Okay. Two, 50 Cent is not going to sing anymore or perform or anything. He's going to be an actor mm-hmm. on weird pay-per-view movies. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, no way. <laughs> and then three, he's going to date Chelsea Handler. And I'd be like, I don't know who that is, but no way. There's no chance. It was um, really good. Yeah, he was really good. Uh, so we recommend Den of Thieves, but we're kind of, we both like bank robbery movies. Yeah, 100%. You, We talked about this on a Rewatchables pod. Uh-huh. We talked about what roles we would have in a bank robbery. Right. And I said, I would want to absolutely want to be the driver. And I really, I actually kind of want to be a bank robbery driver. It's like, if that's my, that's my next career plan. If the ringer falls apart. Right. That's plan B for that's me. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm a bank oh, robbery shit. driver. <laughs> okay. LA has the most bank robberies in every city. I'll just, I'll be the driver. Uh, you really? said you want to be the guy who jumps on the counter and shoots the gun into the ceiling and says, everybody get down or else. And. That's who you want to be, right? You might no, hit the guard. I, that's not me. Oh, what did you say? I can't remember. That's a that's my wife. Oh, that's your she wife. Was that, that's right. She was that role. That's I, your wife. Who I'm are you? The, I'm, the, I'm the guy who dies early, like I made a mistake or I didn't have it in me to oh, shoot. Oh, you dated Treo? Uh, yeah, I didn't have it in me Ew. to shoot somebody and dot dot dot. I got got. 
Neil. That's me. I'm never, I, every time I watch those movies, and I think that's part of the reason I like them so much is I get to pretend at least for a few minutes, like I want to be cool like Pablo and, and Den of Thieves, like Merriman, the main, like who's supposed to be the main boss. He was so great. Didn't say much. He just sort of stood there. He stretched it. His already a long neck. He sort of stretched it out further to look down on everyone. Like I want to be like that. But I know in my heart of hearts, like that's not me. You know who I am? I'm in Godfather. Remember Enzo the baker? Yeah. He shows up to like pay You're his wishes. You're terrified. And then the somebody and then Michael pulls him in like, hey, stand here with me. And so he does it, but he's terrified the whole time. That's me, I think. I, you can talk me into it, but I'm not going to be any good. Are we nearing 25th anniversary Terry for for Blood and Blood Out yet? Isn't it 1993? Yes, 1993. A movie that's not on cable anymore. Your favorite movie? The 30th anniversary. Yeah, it's a uh, no 25th anniversary. I mean 25th. Yeah. Yeah. They won't show it. They'll show everything. They'll show cocktail twenty times a day. They By the way, that's a, cocktail's another one that could come back. Cocktail could work. Cruises Cruises living in a resort in Jamaica that he owns. Mm -hmm. His wife left him. He's a bartender. Yeah, you His could go a bunch of different him. ways. Sons working with him. You remember that one HBO show with the? Uh, oh, what was his name? I remember all the HBO. He's shows. like the lovable bachelor, Larry, the lovable bachelor, some guy like that. He was like a nerdy looking guy. And the whole show oh, was- Mind of the Married Man? And, no, it wasn't that one, I don't think. Dream On? Might have been Dream On, I don't know. He, he it, was, it was out when I was like in middle school or high school. Dream All On. All I probably. remember from the show is that it, there was like always a sex scene in yeah. every episode. Well, HBO knew their audience at that yeah. point. They would have that, First and Ten, The Hitchhiker. First and Ten. The Hitchhiker was another one. It was like, <laughs> you're getting a sex scene during the show at some point, because we know you guys don't have internet porn yet. Yeah. Now they don't need to do that. <laughs> Back then, it was like the Hitchhikers. It was that was internet porn. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't remember how we got on this subject. I don't either. Shay, you have anything to plug? No, I don't have anything to plug. Readtheringer.com. and that's all. That's it. That's it. And watch Den of Thieves and Cobra Kai. Shout out Miguel Diaz forever. Kawhi Leonard, the number one. Give new. a message for Kawhi Leonard who didn't come to any of your playoff games, but went to a Dodger game two weeks later. No, I have no more words for Kawhi Leonard. Not one single word. Do you have you ever been this betrayed by anyone? My ninth grade girlfriend cheated on me, and I oh, never forget no. it. Yeah, she cheated on me with a guy at the zoo. He cheated uh, on me with a guy at the zoo. Zookeeper? No, she went to the zoo with a guy. She went there with a guy to cheat at the zoo. Which this sounds like this could be a YouTube Red series. It was <laughs> 20, 25 years later. I looked her up. Things on, have flipped. I looked her up on Facebook, and her life was just in shambles. And I was so happy. I was so excited about it. Well, she now she knows. She broke my heart. So that was it. That's the only person. So nobody, it's her and then Kawhi Leonard. Nobody at He's the Grand cheating Leonard on the me Ringer. with somebody at the zoo. Nobody, Tate Frazier? Tate Frazier is is number six on my list. Kevin O'Connor is number 23 on my list. <laughs> Kevin O'Connor is another <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, all right, Shay, thanks for uh thanks for coming on. I'm glad All we right, did boss. this. Thanks to my dad. Thanks to the Boston Celtics for making me happy this week. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to nephew Kyle. We are back uh on Friday with a little bit more. Don't forget to buy Shay's book, by the way, for Father's Day for somebody. Oh, yeah. What's that? What a month a month away? That's what I should have said. Yeah. Buy the book. Buy the book for Father's Day. What Father's a Father's Day, Day gift. Barack Obama gift. liked it. Barack Obama. Barack Obama made it top. And, and don't forget to listen to uh, Shay on House of Carbs, too, because it's funny. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. Go Celtics. <laughs>